I will just open with a word of prayer before we read the scriptures and make announcements. Our Heavenly Father, again we bow before thy throne. We thank thee that the way is clear, the access is open for us to come to speak to thee. And we thank thee, our Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ, that one who has opened up this way. We thank thee, Father, that he has taken away the sin that blocked our entrance into thy presence. And we thank thee, our Father, that he has uh, made thy throne available for us to come to, in that thy throne has been vindicated and thy righteousness has been satisfied and our Father, the sin question has been dealt with. We do bless thy name for the work that he accomplished at Calvary's cross when he gave himself a sacrifice there. We thank thee, Father, that he has made it possible for thee to offer salvation to mankind. And the whosoever will may come and take freely of the water of life. And so, our Father, we thank thee for this time and another opportunity we have of speaking a word in the gospel. We feel our weakness. And our Father, we come before thee, thanking thee that in thy word thou hast said that thy strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so we do bless thy name for the Holy Spirit that thou hast given, who indwells and who is able to bring to our recollection those things that thou hast laid upon our hearts in the days preceding this meeting. We do give thee thanks, Father, for each one that has come, for each home that's represented, and for the locality in this area. We pray, Father, for the mighty working of the Spirit of God in moving and causing people to be concerned about eternal matters and where they will be when time shall be no more. So we lift our hearts to thee in thanksgivings and commit our meeting into thy hands to the, from the beginning to the end and give thee our thanks in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to read some verses to you from the scriptures and we turn to the little book of Titus first of all. The little book of Titus and chapter 2. Thessalonians, Timothy and Titus, Philemon and Hebrews. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That is the first coming into the world of the Lord Jesus. The first coming of the Lord Jesus leaving heaven. Then verse 12 says, teaching us, and this is for believers, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
looking for that blessed hope. I'm going to stop there because there's a comma. <coughs> looking for that blessed hope. Those words are referring to the second coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Those words refer to the third coming from heaven of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there, in two verses, 11 and 13, you have the three comings of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. If you turn over to... Um, I hardly know where to turn to, but Galatians. I've written, I've written a lot of verses and all down here, and if we do a good bit of reading, don't be alarmed, because it's better to read the Word of God than it is for you to listen to me speaking. In Galatians, chapter 4, we'll read something more about the first coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, it says, and even verse 3 says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, that's his coming, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God sent forth his Son. That's referring to the Lord Jesus coming, made of a woman. That's his birth in Bethlehem. That the world has been, I use the word generally thinking about a fortnight ago. And then turn over now to uh, a well-known passage, John 14. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I will come again. Those words refer to the Lord Jesus coming from heaven the second time. And we'll read some more words to bolster that up in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul says, and Paul has got a revelation concerning this from God. He got a revelation. And this is what he says. <coughs> but I would have you to be, have, 
I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that is, those that have died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. There he's telling you, he's got this from the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep, those which are dead in Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. There you have it coming down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain in Christ shall be caught up together with them that are dead in Christ and have been raised in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So there's a passage that backs up what Jesus said in John 14. I will come again. And this is his coming. And it's not coming to the earth, by the way. You notice it doesn't say to the earth. It says we'll meet him in the air. We'll meet in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. First coming, he came down to this earth, born in Bethlehem. We know all about that. Second coming, he's coming down to the air, somewhere up there in the atmosphere. And this is going to happen. Let's turn now to this third coming. There's so much about it in the Bible, I, I sometimes wonder where I should read but if you just turn to Revelation 19. Revelation 19 and verse number 11. John the Divine, John the Apostle, he's on the Isle of Patmos and he gets visions. And this is what he, this is what he sees. And I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Now you have no, you have no trouble identifying this person. There's only one person that ever lived in this world that could be called Faithful and True, and that's the Lord Jesus. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Where do you read that? In the Bible elsewhere. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the armies which were in heaven followed him 
upon white horses, clothed in white linen, and fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he, might, he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now that's the third coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven. John says, I saw heaven open, and out came a white horse and him that sat on it. <coughs> but this time, this time, go back to chapter 11 of Revelation. Chapter 11 of Revelation. And verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. The nations were angry. And thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Or the word destroy the earth is, the word is corrupt. <coughs> corrupt the earth. And that's the third coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven. Someone said, do you want the good news or the bad news? Well, I'll be like the man in John chapter 2, the governor, who said, who said to the bridegroom, you've kept the good wine to the last. Whenever he tasted the wine that the Lord Jesus, when the Lord Jesus turned the water into wine, and he got a taste in it, he said to the bridegroom, you've kept the good wine to the last. So I'll keep the good wine to the last. And for a few minutes here, I'm going to tell you the bad news. This world in which we live, and every one of us sitting in here, and everybody out there, if they can't see that the coming of the Lord Jesus is near, I tell you there's something desperately wrong. This world is falling to pieces economically, financially, physically, environmentally, educationally, <coughs> did I say governmentally? Every way you think of it, this world is collapsing. Men don't know what to do. And whenever they do do something, it seems to be the wrong thing. We're getting messages from our radios every week nearly. 
about a change relating to this verse. Could you, could you understand it? It's getting now to the point where you begin to wonder, what, what should I believe? Now that's just medically. But think of this world, dear people, and the state it's in. My mind goes to that country out there called Ukraine. That one away out there, you know, way out in the east there. It used to belong to another big, big country called Russia. But it got us independence. And when communism fell, broke down, it was a wee country now sitting on its own. And what's Russia doing today? It has invaded it on the eastern side. 90,000 troops trying to grab back. Can't leave it alone. Once more. The world is falling to pieces. I say again, if we can't see it, and the people out there can't see it, well, God help us. I say it reverently. The Lord Jesus is coming again. And we need to pay attention. And I'll tell you something, people. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're talking to somebody someday or tomorrow, at supermarket or somewhere, or maybe you meet them on the street or some, or at, over the garden fence. Tell them the Lord's coming again. <coughs> Keep talking about it. Get it into their heads. Keep telling them about it, because they need to know it. <coughs> it's going to happen. Maybe sooner than we think. Sooner than I even think. That's the bad news. Now I'm going to tell you the good news. I'm not going to talk any more about the Lord coming, or really anything more much, about the Lord coming the second time to the air, nor the third time coming down onto this earth. Because the first time he came, he came to redeem. I'll give you a wee heading or two here that I jotted down. Some, just, these were just given to me. And, and anything that's given to me is the Holy Spirit gives it to me. He came to redeem the first time. And that meant being crucified. The second time he's coming, I read it to you in John's Gospel, 14. He's coming to receive. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, to receive from this world those that are his. He's coming to receive. And then it told us also that he's coming to catch us up. And it'll tell you in 1 Corinthians 15, he's coming to change us. And in Philippians chapter 4, you read that as well. He's coming to change us. Change and catch up. So he's coming the first, coming the first time to redeem, but he had to be crucified. He's coming again to the air to receive, to change us. And catch up. The third time he comes to this earth, he's coming to reign and rule. And re might not or put in and reclaim what is rightfully his. <coughs> Did you not read in Psalm? Oh dear, if I was any good at, at remembering things. 
Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. So he's coming to claim it. It's his right. He made it. He gave it to mankind to look after it. But man sinned and he's made a mess. But Jesus is coming again to reign and to rule and to reclaim. And if I might put the wee seal on it, he's coming to clean up. Not be crucified. Oh no, not change or catch up. He's coming to clean up. There's a lot of things need cleaning up in this world. So, there's we heading for you. First time to redeem, needed to be crucified. Second time to receive his own, change them and catch them up. The third time he comes down right onto this earth. He's coming to reign and rule and reclaim. And he's coming to clean up. Now I'll give you the good news. We'll concentrate now on the first coming. Maybe somebody would like to hear more about the second and third coming. And by the way, now, just say this and pass on. I don't believe that the Bible really teaches so much that the second and third coming are two. Well, they are separated. They're separated. But I'm only using the phrase coming down from heaven because it uses that phrase. Jesus came down from heaven to redeem the first time. If you read John's Gospel, I, I went through it today, do you know? Do you know how many times I read in John's Gospel that wee phrase, Father sent me, sent me, sent me, sent me. I think it was about 43 times. And by the way, the word no in John's Gospel is there about 60 times. And not, it's nearly 300 times in John's Gospel. But sent me, sent me, sent me. He came down, the Father sent him. Now let's think about this first coming. I was saying, by the way, the second coming to the earth and the third coming down to the earth, there's going to be a roughly a period about seven years in between there. The Lord will take the Christians all away on this whole world. My goodness. You'd need to read chapter 6 of Revelation right through to the end of chapter 11. And get your eyes open to what's going to happen. It says there's things going to happen, dear people, that have never happened before. The scale of it. At one stage on the sea, a third of the ships are going to be destroyed. My, my. Read it for yourself. Let's go to the good news. I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus came the first time to redeem. <coughs> now, to redeem, I said, he had to be crucified. But he also had to do something, and I'm going to use the A, B, C, D, E, and F. A, he had to make atonement. And that might sound big for some people. <coughs> but it just means this. He had to be punished for sin. Sin had to be dealt with. And that's why God sent his son into the world. 
that the world through him might be saved, that he might be a sacrifice for sin. John the Baptist pointed when he, and he said to him when he walked on the Jordan banks, Behold the Lamb of God, which beareth away the sin of the world. So the Lord Jesus had to make atonement. He had to be punished for sin. Why? He didn't have any sin. That was ours, you see. You see, this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. Man sinned against God and has sinned against God and goes on sinning against God and the God, man thinks God does nothing about it. But dear people, God has done something about it. The awful sad thing is if mankind in here or out there won't accept what God has done, God's going to have to punish them. That's the A and B of it. If man will not accept what God has done, God's going to have to deal with them. That's what we read that in Revelation 11. So he had to make atonement. He had to be punished for sin. Our sin. And the immensity of that should make us shudder. Our sin. The sins of the whole world. From the first man, Adam, to the last man or woman or boy or girl that will be born. Jesus Christ bore the punishment for the sins of the whole world. In six hours on Calvary's cross, he was crucified. He made atonement. They can just sing in that hymn there. He has made a full atonement. That's why I, I, I give it out. For I thought of it as I was sticking to these things. He has made a full atonement. Now his saving work is done. He has satisfied the Father. And the Father accepts us when we come to him through the Son. So, A, to redeem, he had to make atonement. B, to redeem, he had to shed blood. Blood must be shed. That's, 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 that's a truth. That's a, that's a thread in the Bible that runs all the way through it. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it says God made them coats of skins. Oh, where did he get them from? Animals. How did he get skins off animals? Oh, they had to be die, they had to be shed, killed, the blood had to be shed. So from the very beginning, God worked with this thread of blood. And then Cain and Abel came along. And Abel offered unto God a little animal from his flock. He says he was a keeper of sheep. But it says he, he brought the fat. Uh, how did he get the fat? He got the fat because he killed the animal. He shed his blood. So it runs all the way through the Bible. And the Old Testament is just pointing to when the Lord Jesus would come, and he would shed, his blood would be shed. So, to redeem, he had to <coughs> A, atone, B, his blood must be shed. 
Now, I could read verses to do with it, but time doesn't permit. See, and, and by the way, making atonement is the punishment. Shedding his blood is the price. See, it must take place somewhere. Place. Where did it take place? At the cross. That's where this took place. Atonement was made at the cross. Blood was shed at the cross. The place was outside Jerusalem on Calvary's hill at the cross. D. Well, you can't escape, you know. Not even the Lord Jesus. He must be punished. His blood must be shed as the price, a ransom price to redeem. It must take place at the cross. No, 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 no. The Jews, the Jews their, their way of, of handing out the death penalty was stoning. Stone him. No, they tried a few times to stone him. And they couldn't do it. He escaped out of their way. No, he was destined for the cross. <coughs> D. Oh. Listen, dear friend. God said to Adam, Don't eat that fruit of that tree in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam ate it. But God had said to him before he ate it, the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. <coughs> not perhaps, not maybe, not might. Surely. There's nothing more certain than that. And Adam died the day he ate it. Not physically, no, but he started to die physically the day he ate it. But he died spiritually. Cut off from God. Separated from God. And God had to put him out. out. And man has been separated from God ever since. Because we've sinned. We've sinned. We've sinned. And God said, Die. You will die. So the Lord Jesus on the cross, he made atonement. He shed his blood. And the place that took place was at the cross. But you can't leave the other out. He had to die. And so he said, whenever he completed the work that God gave him to do, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died. That was the Atonement was the punishment, the blood was the price, the cross was the place, and death was the penalty. The sentence was carried out. That's what you hear the judge telling you in the court when you're guilty. He passes the sentence. And if it's bad enough crime, well, you don't. It breaks my heart sometimes. You don't hear it now. Life improvement will never be out. But that's not what God says. God says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Death. Man's got soft in his judgment. 
God never gets soft. God judges righteously and justly. So death had to be. But then you said A, B, C, D, E, F. Well, after God doing all of that in the person of his son, punishing him, his blood being shed, the price, the ransom price, and the cross where it took place, and death been carried out, the penalty. What are you left with? Well, this is where God comes out and says, listen to me, everybody in the world, listen to me. I'll receive you. Your sins have been dealt with in my son. You can have your sins forgiven. E, will you enter in? Now, it's our responsibility. See, God has took on a big, big responsibility in dealing with our sins. <coughs> and God just says, now, listen, it really would be thought of, this might be an easy part. Will you just enter in? Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Will you enter in? Oh dear, I, I sometimes, I sometimes wish I could change things. I wouldn't read these words in the Bible, but they're there. They're there in Hebrews. God made it quite clear to the children of Israel. He brought them right up to the, to the very border of the land of Canaan. Very border of it. And he just said, go on, go on, enter in. No. There was a, a big number of them. I can't remember the number, but there's a big number of them. And it says in the Bible, they didn't enter in because of unbelief. That's a, that's a bad word. Unbelief. I couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So they were shut out. And they died in the wilderness, wandering around for 40 years, till they were all dead. And then God brought another generation over them 40 years. More children were born. Another generation came up and God brought them to the border again at the River Jordan. Opened it up for them, just like he opened up the Red Sea when they came out of Egypt. And through the went, led by Joshua. And in they went this time. Don't be like the children of Israel and say, I don't believe Believe it. Why would you not believe it? Why would, a, why would a creature of God's hand not believe the Creator after he has done all of this atonement, shedding blood at the place called Calvary, death taking place, he says, enter in. Why would you not enter in? The work's completed. And still there's people that say, oh, I, 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 I think, you know, if I do maybe, but it's, it's all right, the Lord doing all that, but that's, that's good, like, you know, but I have to do, no, no, no. Don't insult the Lord of heaven by trying to do your wee bit. Please, 
Enter in. And if, do it by faith. Atonement, bloodshed at the cross, death taking place. Enter in. Do it by faith. Don't be dependent on anything of yourself. Not by works of righteousness. Not we, we, a book we've read in there in Titus, it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. With the washing of regeneration. Enter in by faith. Simply accept it. You're going to have to acknowledge, of course, that you don't deserve it. You're going to have to acknowledge, of course, that you're a sinner. Remember the, remember the boy in Luke 15. Keep looking back at that old chapter, Luke 15, and learn the lesson from that. I call him a boy, but he might be a young man. He was. But he had to repent. That's another word that since it doesn't go down to you well sometimes. He had to repent. And boy, he was he glad to repent. When he found himself in the circumstances he was in, nobody would give him a hand to eat. Nobody would give him anywhere to sleep. He was lying out all the time, had in a panic, in rags, but loved to have ate the stuff that the swine was eating. Now, it doesn't say he did eat it, but he loved to eat it. And then he says he came to himself. He came to himself and he started to talk to himself. I remember hearing a brother up there at that gospel hall in Uri, out in the open air, in the driving, back last year preaching on the th- this young, this, this father went away. He says, listen, did you ever stop and talk to yourself? Give yourself a good talking to him. I like that. Give yourself a good talking to him. You're wrong, you see. God's right. You're wrong. Tell God you know he's right. Tell God you know you're wrong. And repent. And come back. And the father was there waiting to put his arms around him and receive him in. That's my message. Redeem. He came to redeem. But don't forget to tell the people out there he's coming to receive and to change and to raise the dead and catch us up. And it could take place any time. Some people say, I hear them saying on the platform, you know, there's nothing to be fulfilled to stop the Lord coming to the air and taking the Christians away. Well, I know what they mean. And I'm not going to fight with them. But there's only one thing that I know there is to be fulfilled. Jesus said, I will build my church. And when that church is complete, then he'll come. So there's maybe still somebody to be saved. There's maybe still somebody to be saved. Or the Lord might have come long ago. You see, he's patient. And he's waiting. He's long-suffering. But someday, someday after he's taken the Christians all away, <coughs> and this world hits catastrophe, a 
after catastrophe. Then he'll come to this earth. And oh dear, if I had read to you in Second Thessalonians, it says he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not what? The gospel. People are not going to obey this message and enter in. I tell you again, God's going to have to deal with them then. They've turned their back. Oh, we can only implore them. We can only implore them. Don't, don't, don't kick against God because you're kicking against someone that you'll never win. God has never lost a battle yet. Never. God's going to populate heaven. Our old Sunday school teacher used to tell us He's going to populate heaven. And if you won't come, do you know he'll get a wee dark fella from Africa? And he'll come. So that's my message to you. I trust it doesn't sound too hard. I tell it to you with the love of my heart, longing that there would be someone who would trust the Saviour and do it now. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we bow again to give thee our thanks for thy precious word. We thank thee that thou hast told us plainly in thy word all that is true concerning thyself, concerning ourselves, and concerning things that are going to happen in this world. Thou hast not hidden anything from us. O our Father, we pray that we might be wise, that we might Tell others of the God that thou art, a God who loves the world, and give thy Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We commend ourselves to thee, on this locality, on this favoured part of Ireland. We pray, Father, for the mighty working of thy power, even to the extent that we'd see a revival. We ask it for thy glory and honour, for the praise of thy name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.